Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Modern Aged Middle Life, a podcast brought to you by Emily Baum and Graham Jarvis, comedy writers addressing modern day confusions for the middle aged. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Ooh, toot, toot. Well, actually, that's probably a really apt toot to start 2021 with. Toot, toot. That's yeah. it. Welcome to 2021. Yeah. Toot, toot. How long is it to 2022? <laughs> I asked you, didn't I? I came to you and I said, Graham, yeah. give me 10 resolutions for you to focus on this year. Yeah, you didn't actually come to me as such, just in case somebody's thinking social distancing. Digitally. And as always, you followed the brief to the letter. You came back and you gave me 16. <laughs> so can I make a suggestion? Yeah. You know, just a little bit of constructive critique. Okay, learn to count. There could be that, yes. Maybe two, two elements. <laughs> One, learn to count. And two, learn to follow instructions. What, from you? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll learn to count, you know. I think. Uh, <laughs> that does lie the way of madness. <laughs> Do you want to walk us through your resolutions for 2021? Well, my first resolution, which I think is important, because spring's never far away. Once you get to January, you start seeing little buds. One of the things I think is important to get your head around and be prepared for is to avoid ants. Okay. Before you know it, they're all over the patio. Occasionally, you'll see a little bit of muck in your house and you realise, oh no, the ants have found a way in. They're going round the side of the shower cubicle, up the wash basin, looking for food. They're clever. Yeah. They are very clever. When I first read that you'd wrote number one as being avoid ants, I thought, we do need to get you some medical help. <laughs> but now you've said it out loud, it makes a lot more sense. And with all this What's-His-Face's Planet series... The hero of the world, Attenborough. Yes, the granddad of the world. Isn't he about 142 now? I think he's older than that. Oh. I think he's partly responsible for all of this stuff because he encouraged everybody to start going around, doing all this, flying around the world, going to forests and goodness knows what. And now he's like, oh, no, no, you don't do that. No, I did that. But you don't do that. I'm not convinced by this man <laughs> showing his pictures of animals eating each other. I mean, who wants to know? It's like if, if you sent me a video and I opened it, it's you eating a Mars bar or something. I think, no, I'm, it's not, not our relationship, Emily. I don't really... I know you eat, but I don't want to spend my time watching you eat. You know? No, that's a really valid point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Attenborough has spent decades showing us exotic places to go to. But you're right, he never said, don't fly there, just watch me on yeah. TV showing you. These yeah, people who do these travelogues saying, uh, oh, the most secret place to go implied, why don't you go there? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing about avoiding ants is, at what level of creature do you stop thinking, oh no, I've just killed the creature? If you saw a squirrel, I haven't got the inclination to kill the squirrel. As you go down the scale, it seems like you lose this, oh, I've just killed a creature thing. When you walk over an ant, do you actually think, oh, it'll probably go in the tread of my shoe or it's going to quickly scrabble itself down the little crack in the patio? Or do you actually tread on it, squish it and think nothing about it? It's a size ratio thing, though, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. Unless you've got a size 25 feet... You're not standing on a Labrador anytime soon, are you? I could have made this, instead of 16 ideas, I could have made it sort of several thousand 
where each one is avoid ants and then go through the alphabet of animals. Avoid aardvarks, which, by the way, I would as well. <laughs> Shifty looking things. Yeah, if I happen to stumble across an aardvark, I would probably veer off to the left or the right. <laughs> I'm not sure which. Have you ever dropped a crisp? and seen the ants go to work and take the crisps off with them. It's actually quite fascinating. Really? They work as a real team, yeah. My daughter dropped some Pringles, which, trust me, is a very rare event. And as they started to, what was left, started to move along the patio. And she went, oh, mummy, ants. Hundreds of them came from nowhere, picked up the remnants of the Pringle. They were like, to me, to you, to me, as they're taking this off. But I don't think them. well, they didn't think it through because the hole to their little burrow was a pinhead and the Pringle was obviously not. Oh. So you think they get there and go, oh, Trevor, we're never going to get this in. We're going to have to take it apart. We'll have to go through the window. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your second New Year's resolution? The more I think about blinking the more I worry that I might not be doing it right. So I thought perhaps I should seek professional help to make sure that I'm doing it correctly. Have you Googled it? No. If you think you've got a deficiency, you Google it. You make sure you're doing it properly and then you go for medical assistance. Say I was someone who blinked really badly. If I did an eyelids up for, let's say, one second, eyelids down for five hours, that's really bad blinking. Good sleeping. Or death. <laughs> and to, to Google under those circumstances would take you an awful long time to read the advice. No, I think I need a doctor. You know, look at me and say, no, you're not doing it properly. You're not swishing away all that liquid and all those bad things, all those motes that are floating by in your tears. You need to blink like this and perhaps to demonstrate, perhaps grab hold of my eyelid and sort of... Drag it down like a blind. <laughs> yeah. Because the other thing is, if you're asleep, I'm imagining if you don't blink properly, when you're asleep, you're like one of those Navajo or Apache Indians who used to sleep with their eyes slightly open. That's because they wore Apaches over each eye. <laughs> you're back to your pirate jokes, are you? <laughs> some, some, some things never change. <laughs> yes, the very first one of the year you've snuck a pirate in. <laughs> <laughs> I think blinking properly is important anyway. Otherwise, you get dry eyes and that can lead to whatever. Is, Who knows? Are you suggesting this purely so more people will look you in the eye? Because as soon as you've said it, I'm sort of focused via Zoom on your eyeballs. And I'm thinking, I think you're blinking properly. I can't see any errors. You're doing it the normal way. When you visit someone, remember the old days when you could visit someone? What, people? You'd go and see people? Occasionally I Weird. visit aardvarks and ants, but generally people. When you're looking at them, if you're actually looking at their eyelid when it's open, and then you sort of, as it closes, you sort of nod your head slightly because you're watching their eyelid going up and down, eventually they do say, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> as you clutch the back of your neck. <laughs> <laughs> and if you say, oh, I was just checking your blinking, they seem to eat their cake really quickly and say they've got an appointment they've forgotten about. It's most peculiar. Hmm. Number three, lose exactly half your possessions? I think if you said to somebody you need to declutter, it's such an open question and people just don't do it. You've got the people who are minimalist, who have not got clutter, and you've got most people who always think we've got too much stuff and we need to get rid of it. And they just don't because there's no instruction manual. Nobody says you should get rid of 
this much or that much or you shouldn't own more than that. People don't say if the total weight of your possessions is more than 400 kilograms, you've gone wrong because nobody weighs their possessions. So I'd propose, I'm not mentioning that I'm setting up a company manufacturing weigh scales, by the way, nothing to do with that. <laughs> nothing. No, I don't mind how you do it, whether you count the number of possessions or measure them and work out the volume or weigh them. But I think most people could do with losing half of their possessions. And then if you state it as exactly half, it's helpful because they think, right, in that corner is the keeps, in this corner there's the goes, and I'll just keep going till both corners have got equal quantities of stuff. That lot can go either on one of these free giveaway sites or down a tip, depending on the you condition. You can't do that. You can't do that. We're not allowed to have people come to our house and the tips are shut. There are declutter gurus like Marie Kondo, who's made an absolute fortune out of making people feel they've got some sort of medical problem because they have a couple of potted plants and over four books in their house. Oh. But we're all desperate to declutter because we've got nothing else to do and we're spending quality time indoors. But where do you take your tut? There's nowhere to go. Well, you could glue it together and say it's art. So when we're allowed, it becomes probably in the Tate Modern. It's like, look at this. Fantastic. Half her possessions glued together. Isn't that fantastic? Tracy Emin had an unmade bed. Graham Jarvis just got a load of old action men, some Lego and a couple of unused monitors and super glued them all together. I went, ta-da! <laughs> it would be an active art display because I would, at the very top of it, put a sugar cube. Mm. So the whole thing would be crawling with ants. <gasps> that would give you that movement. Oh. People say, look at them, shimmering in the sunlight. But then surely you'd be making an ecological statement, which David Attenborough would have to condone, because, of course, you're showing the amount of waste that nature yeah. survives, irrespective of how wasteful we are as entities. Yeah. That's really quite profound. Oh, thank you. And a yeah. bit crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Get a skip. <laughs> Change your life. Number four, explore whether yeah. dogs can communicate. I'm fed up of people seeming to say that Woof. animals can or can't talk. I thought it's about time somebody actually definitively found this out. And in lockdown, we've got the chance to perhaps explore this more. If you're taking your dog for a walk, they often go and sniff each other. So I'm going to take out a notepad. And as long as the lady who our dog really likes her dog, as long as she doesn't report me to the police, I shall make notes on whether the dogs seem to be communicating. Well, they are communicating. They just speak in a different way, don't they? They only bark for our benefit half the time yeah. to tell us that the postman's arrived or the Amazon man's dropping something off that we've ordered the night before when I've had too much to drink and completely forgotten what I've ordered. And then it feels like a whole brand new present when it does arrive because I've completely forgotten I ordered it. And who needs a blow-up tent anyway? But it finds out it's actually quite useful. Tracy Emin found the blow-up tent very <laughs> useful, I believe. That was part of her display. Or they start to bark to get your attention or because they want something or you've shut them in a room which I do quite a lot with our dogs by accident because they sneak in behind me. Or it's all done with their eyes. They do talk with their eyes. I said dogs, but really it was different animals because oh. we've already done ants I mean, and you've already explained how, you know, the crisps, they're wizzo at communicating. And then you've got all these different smells. You know, a butterfly can smell water at so many thousand miles or whatever. Can it? How do you know? Because it could be lying. Well, it could be an exaggerated butterfly. You know, one of those ones that will turn around and say, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Deep sea fishing. I've done skydiving in nothing but wide fronts. Yeah, I've done that. I can smell out water. 
from eight million miles away. Yep, yep, can. Look, getting a whiff of it now. Can you not hear it? Yep, there's the water. Yeah, when I was in space. <laughs> I was the first butterfly to ever been in space, you know. Yeah. I was in the front line of Riverdance, the original. Do you not see me next to Michael Flatley? You should have seen the look on those spacemen on the ISS when I went past the window. There's a butterfly. Of course there is. <laughs> it's been drinking now. Well, that's exactly what you've said. That's why I need to find out whether these animals can communicate or not. Mm. You just need to make sure you do your research with ones that look honest, that they're not going to exaggerate the truth. I mean, everybody knows that collies are repetitive, so I would probably omit that breed from your dog research. Beagles are very honest, but slightly flatulent. So they would be a good starting point. Dogs seem to want to communicate with squirrels, in my experience. They want to communicate with them via their teeth, mainly. Did I tell you the time my dog caught a squirrel? No. My dog has spent her entire life trying to catch a squirrel. And she's a fast dog. She is like lightning. She finally catches a squirrel and then ran to show a squirrel in her mouth. A squirrel turned like some sort of demon squirrel and tried to rip her eyes out and bit her on the nose. She squeaked through the squirrel. Squirrel went. And what happens now when she sees a squirrel? I think she kind of went, oh, the chasing bit's the fun bit. The actual catching it is a bit more precarious. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Because of my accident last April. Can I just recap for those that may not have heard that episode? Last April... <laughs> Graham fell off what can only be described as a nominal inflatable cushion and broke two of his fingers. Yes, it was so small. It was <laughs> embarrassingly small. But I found that the National Health Service were really good at dealing with you. But <laughs> Did they put you in a little room and lock the door? <laughs> yeah, they let you sit there and think for a while. Sort of consider whether it was worth breaking your fingers, you know, Staring at things, blinking, <laughs> things like that. Trying to avoid ants, all this stuff. <laughs> Wondering where I'd taken too many possessions in with me. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't fix my fingers. And then I spoke to a nurse weeks later who seemed to be flirting with the doctor and that didn't help at all with fixing my fingers. They were laughing. Oh, he plays guitar. Oh, <laughs> how funny. So... I think it's about time I learnt to fix broken bones myself. Or get better at flirting it with doctors and then you might get the attention you require. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. But people say, yeah, in the old days, they used to put them in plaster and mm. keep them. And they said, oh, there's no point doing that because then they'll be fixed in the place they are. But now they don't put it in plaster. And three different medical professionals have said to me, well, mm, it, it might never heal. You think, aren't you, aren't you the people that are supposed to assist in the healing process? Do you think it's because they're fingers and they know that you've got a few more to take the strain? So they're thinking that these particular digits aren't necessarily as vital as if you'd come in with a dicky leg, for example. Yeah, but because of COVID, perhaps, uh, I was one of two people in the waiting room. So it's not like they were overrun and I was stopping somebody with a bad injury, mm. getting help. I went in there and they had hours probably to deal with me, if they so wished. Was it you and another bloke that had fallen off a small inflatable as well? Twisted his ankle <laughs> or something, you know, equally as severe? <laughs> actually, actually, the other person did have a problem. I think it was his ankle. <laughs> I'm not a medical professional, but perhaps next year, one of my resolutions will be to learn how to spot a dicky ankle. My daughter's just discovered the words dicky and ropey because I educated her and she absolutely loves them. She finds them hysterical. 
She loves to call things dicky. Oh, he's got a dicky tummy. Oh, that's so funny. Or, oh, mum, you should have seen her outfit. It was ever so ropey. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> dicky or ropey. Dicky or ropey. There you go. There's one of mine. That's it. That's my only 2021, uh, what are we doing? Resolutions. Is A, to remember what I'm talking about. And two, to include dicky and ropey into as many sentences as I can. Okay. We look forward to the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be dicky and definitely ropey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no different then. <laughs> Six, improve my perception of azure, teal and cyan. Is it cyan? Yeah, cyan, you know, the colour. No, isn't that the bloke down the, the takeaway? Why do you need to improve your perception of the man who works in the Indian takeaway? <laughs> no, no, no. When I was a kid, people would say, oh, can we have it blue? Somebody might say, oh, we'll have uh, light blue or dark blue. But as I've moved into the south, much posher area, people start saying, oh, I'd like it to be azure or teal or cyan and loads of other flavours of blue. And I'm thinking, I need to improve my perception because I have been in the company of people who have questioned whether something, is that teal or is that cyan? And I'm thinking, I ain't got a clue. Or what person was debating as teal and cyan with you then? It was someone who did do art quite a lot. So perhaps they had a... Tracy a, Ehrman. <laughs> Are you trying to get into yes. the conversation that you actually know Tracy Ehrman? <laughs> Tracy and I were just chatting when we went for a walk around the local pond. And she said she thought it was azure. And I had to argue with her that I do believe it was teal. Oh, Tracy, you're such a card. <laughs> but your art's a bit ropey. <laughs> uh, number seven shower less often shower with gifts shower for hygiene shower in spittle what i think people have gone past the point of showering it's a bit like my lose exactly half your possessions mm. people don't shower because they need to they think i know i'll shower as a routine so i think People shower too much. I think people shower to avoid people saying, girl, you stink. Well, I don't think it's a compliment that many would like to receive. What? Would you? Oh, hi, Graham. You're looking great. You've lost a bit of weight. You're looking, you know, your hair looks nice. Oh, you smell, mate. Oh, you're absolutely ripe. Yes, thank you. It's not <laughs> something that people really, you know, embrace. When did showering start? Caveman years, possibly. When they stood under a waterfall, yeah. you know, I'm sure a Bond girl or in the film Blue Lagoon, <laughs> the bloke turned around to the woman and went, oh, love you, absolutely honk. You've been spearfishing again this morning. Get under that waterfall, you dirty mare. Have a wash. I love these romantic ideas of how things started. I mean, if someone said to me now, find a waterfall, it'd be years to have that one. <laughs> I'd be walking, I'd be walking the ups and downs of the UK. I mean, there are no waterfalls around here. None. Cornwall, <laughs> realistically, in your area, you'd be having a dip in somebody's rockery, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd hope that, <laughs> that someone had an ornamental pond that overflowed. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine the response. Oh, Alice, <laughs> look, that man's back in the ornamental pond. Call the police. It's either that or a bird bath. You might as well just let him carry on. <laughs> Some people say, oh, I shower twice a day. 
I shower before I go to bed and I shower in the morning. But why? Is this like the butterfly? Are they just over-egging it so, so you don't get the chance to say you smell because they've justified it by saying they shower twice a day? When I used to go to the gym, people would say, oh, I always shower before I come to the gym because I don't want to work out and be smelly. Obviously, then I shower after I've worked out because I've worked out, so I want to get rid of all the sweat from What are they doing out. before getting to the gym that makes them smelly? Goodness knows what. But they don't want to appear to sort of like to have bed residue on them when they arrive at the gym. residue. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please do excuse me. I have not had time to have my ornamental wash today in the pond. But I am aware that I'm caked in bed residue. What is bed residue? Fluff from your sheets. Well, I don't know. Well, that's all I can, ima- that's all I can imagine. I mean... I'm sorry. I'm dripping in night juice. I don't know what to do with myself. It's all this, it's all this bed residue. Some people don't shower. They take a bath. Those people, I think, because it takes so much water and a bath is sort of like a lengthy, relaxing thing. They don't have a bath before the gym and after no, the gym and exactly. then all the rest of it. So it's the shower thing, I think, that's gone too far. Mm. I think it's just wasting water. I'm going to write to David Attenborough and ask him how many times a day he showers. And why he hasn't filmed it in one of his classic episodes. He might have done. We're just looking on the wrong channel. (laughs) Number eight, detect whale song on land. I've heard that whale song travels around the world and they can hear each other sort of like one's in America or close to America and the other one's close to the coast of Ireland and they can communicate. So like, <laughs> do you think the one in Ireland shouts to the one in America, don't come over here, it's blooming freezing? <laughs> yeah, I think that might be it. Go oh. left at the Suez Canal because I went right and it's ever so cold. I wouldn't bother. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking if they're shouting so loud that they can hear each other between Ireland and America, has anybody actually checked whether you can hear the damn things on land? Yeah, it might be. It might be that, that because they work on echolocation, if you stand in the middle of the Isle of Wight, you probably could hear a few whales. Yeah, that was just a little experiment I thought I'd do. You know, if you stand be... in the middle of Cardiff, you definitely hear whales. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> whales are fascinating, and particular at the moment, because we've had, at the end of last year, we had loads of whales swept inland in Australia, didn't yeah. we? And we've had them pop in. So obviously something's going wrong with whale song. Maybe their frequency is out. Or there is a whale trickster that is going, come over this way. Ha 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 ha. There's lots of lovely food over here. It's really warm. And he's sending them in the wrong direction. Like with the uh, sat-nav, if you drive into London, as you get in towards Acton, there's one big roundabout where the sat-nav takes you off the main road, down to a roundabout, and then takes you back onto the main road. Mm. And apparently it's because of some building there has got some signals that block the sat-nav and make it do funny things. Mm. So I could become the whale saviour. I could be the next David Attenborough. Of whales. Yeah, whale planet. Perhaps riding the whales. Perhaps a little saddle would let me ride on them for saving them. (laughs) So a few of these, I'm sensing a bit of a pattern here. Do you really want to be Dr. Doolittle in 2021? I think most people want to do as little as they can get away with. So, yes, I suppose I do want to be <laughs> do little, as little as possible. But you do want to talk to the animals. You want to talk to the ants, the whales and the dogs so far. No, I, I want to avoid ants. But if you could talk to them and they could talk to you, then they could shout, Oi! We're down here. And you could go, sorry, excuse me. I see what you mean. There seem to be a few animal ones. But I mean, when you're trying to think up a good resolution, one which will help save mankind, I'm doing my best here. I think it shows in number nine how much you want to improve people's well-being in 2021. (laughs) 
Tell us what number nine says, Graham. I want to get the Guinness World Record for bursting balloons on cacti. Aren't you frustrated that when you think of something that might give you a world record, somebody says, oh, they've done that. And you say, oh, they can't have done it. They say, look, look it up. And you go in the Guinness Book of Records. And yeah, somebody's tried that. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure, that people haven't seen how fast they can burst balloons on cacti. Wouldn't you like to be in the Guinness World Book of Records? No, because the only thing I can think about, and I don't know if it's the camera angle, is things like people who grow their nasal hair to be incredibly long or their nails and stuff like that. That's usually in the Guinness World of Records or people who do random things like jumping off roofs. And it just all seems like an awful lot of effort to me. (laughs) (laughs) And finally... Number 10, because we can get to the other six when we get into your therapy sessions and dig in a little bit deeper. (laughs) My resolution is to learn to fit into smaller spaces. And this is actually one from the list that I was wholeheartedly support. (laughs) There's nothing more fun than getting people, human people, into small spaces. It's really good fun, especially if it's not you. We've got my cousin in a dog crate and we actually rolled him while he was in it as well. We've got my daughter in a suitcase. That was quite fun. And I got my wife in a box. (laughs) I think the knack of fitting into small spaces can be useful. If, say, you did hear a burglar, you could think, oh. I love that. I love that. That's your response to a burglar. Jill wakes you up. Graham, Graham, there's a burglar downstairs. Graham's response, ooh. <laughs> As Jill <laughs> is sent downstairs with a golf club. <laughs> and points to this very small box and says, there's something really valuable in there. Why don't you take that? Let <laughs> I think learning to fit into smaller spaces would benefit the world too. Are you proposing we all become Anne Frank? (laughs) 2021 wasn't bad enough that you had to stay indoors all year round. Now, due to Graham's new innovative look at the world, we'd like you to live in the back of your cupboards. One of my worries originally about fitting into a small space was that as you're just squeezing this bit or that bit in, you might break a bone. (gasps) And that's where number five came in. Modern Aged Middle Life was brought to you by Graham Jarvis and Emily Baum. If you liked it, tell a friend or rate and review the podcast. That will help others find us. Thanks.